Welcome back to Grazia Life Advice and thank you for joining us. I am Lottie Jeffs and this time we've got advice from a designer and stylist who spent over three decades at Vogue. Hello, I'm Lucinda Chambers. I'm co-founder of Collagerie and I'm this week's guest on the Grazia Life Advice podcast. Lucinda tells us about all the places she finds creative inspiration, from books and exhibitions to leaves on the street. I have, you know, lots of ideas late at night and if I don't put them down in the morning, I know. I was like, what was that idea? What, and what was I thinking about then? We chat about skipping the small talk to have meaningful conversations. My mother was you know, a huge influence on my life and I think I was quite a shy teenager growing up as most teenagers are quite, quite self-conscious and I think I was. And, you know, always before a party, I would, you know, say to her, well, I don't know what to talk about, I don't know what to talk about. And I think my mother was like, pull yourself together. And finally, Lucinda talks about the importance of being kind, especially in an industry widely perceived as quite cutthroat. Wherever I go now, you know, people have said, oh my God, I interned with you 20 years ago, I interned with you 30 years ago. And I know, I know that their experience was a positive one. So I don't have that awful creeping prickly pear feeling yeah. of, Crikey, what was, what was their experience like? I know it was going to be a good one. All that, plus setting up a new business just before the start of the pandemic, being relatable and working hard. I really hope you enjoy the chat. Hi, Lucinda. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I've got to tell our listeners at home <laughs> that Lucinda is currently under a tablecloth and it just feels like the most brilliantly on-brand spectacle because you're under this like fabulous collagerie tablecloth that you used for a dinner party last night. Are you okay under there? Nothing goes to waste. Yeah. I'm cosy. I'm cosy. It's very Bedouin tent. I love it. And, uh, you know, I love multi-purposing things. So, you know, we just snatch this off the table and on it goes. And um, yeah, we should probably explain that she is under a tablecloth for the sound quality as well as the uh, the general fun and hijinks. Yes, I'm being muffled. I think it's better to be under a tablecloth <laughs> than in an echo chamber. So, yes, for those that don't know, Collagerie is your interiors brand, right? Well, it's interiors and fashion. It's an oh, online okay. uh, shopping platform that really covers everything, fashion, interiors, beauty, and across all price points. So mm. we inspire and delight. Yes, that's what we do. Amazing. Um, and of course, you were previously a fashion director, and that was your career for a, a long time. And then you've recently started your own business. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yes. So your advice today is going to cover career, life um, and everything in between. And we are starting with a piece of advice that is, if you don't show up, nothing will turn up. Put in the graft and inspiration will come. Tell me about this one. I used to think for quite a long time, actually, that creative people should sort of have divine inspiration and it should just pop into your head like a light bulb moment, which sometimes it does. But, you know, my career has been quite a long one. And I think, you know, I've come to different sort of conclusions at different times. But one thing I really know is that you have to work hard. And, and I am a grafter. And sometimes divine inspiration doesn't come. It's, it's, it's actually putting in the work and the background and picking away at an idea and 
not being afraid of discarding it and having another idea and then working your way through that one. And I think things, you know, they come easily and with more difficulty to different sorts of people. And sometimes, you know, when I'm, when we're doing a sort of, you know, we can be doing anything from a, a shoot to a brand collaboration. And I think what's always really stood me in good stead is that I work away at it. I work, mm. you know, I have a, I have an idea, hopefully, usually, and it might not be the first idea that you have, and it might not be the idea that I run with in the end, but you put the work in in between. And do you think in your career that you, when you first started, you were really grafting and then when you get to a certain point in your career, it sort of allows you to be more um, creative, but that to, to start with, were you having to sort of really, you know, show up on shoots? I, I mean, tell me about what some of the first things you were doing. Well, there. I think, I mean, I've never, you know, early days, I wasn't a grafter. I mean, I was pretty hopeless at school. I didn't do any work. Um, I sort of daydreamed and made jokes and mucked around a lot. And I actually think I learned to work. I learned to work, I think, when things didn't come my way or mm. I was sort of optimistic, hoping that something would come my way. And I think really, actually, it was quite a slow process to learn that you actually have to put in the work. I mean, I think I was so busy dressing up and playing with clothes and you know, thinking that somebody would hire me on sheer kind of an imaginative leap. And, mm. and I think I learned how to work. And I think it's been a really interesting process. And I don't think that ever lets up. I have a, a, a very good work ethic now, and I think I have for the last 30 years, but it certainly took a, a while to, to, to learn that that's what you just had to do. Mm. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people going into the sort of fashion and creative industries maybe don't realize? Well, I think you never quite realize what you're letting yourself in for or what's expected of you, you mm. know? So I think you have to kind of gauge how you really have to step up to the plate. But I mean, when I first started at Vogue, I was so busy making my clothes the night before, I wasn't really focusing on actually what the job in hand was. And I was a bit like past the parcel, um, where once I'd got finally into the fashion room after being a secretary for a very long time and being rather hopeless, and I was the sort of <laughs> Bubbles character in that, for sure, um, I you know, got into the fashion room as Grace Coddington's assistant. And I mean, I think she loved the idea of me, but actually the reality of me was too bubbly-like. And... Um, <laughs> And I learned, you know, I was a bit like parcel parcel. I was a hot potato. You know, she, I was sort of flung off and, you know, after she gave me a good go. You know, I think I was her assistant for three years, which was amazing. Mm. But I realized I was pretty hopeless. And I think when I was on the brink of, you know, that actually nobody wanted me anymore, I really had to pull myself together and just think, you know what? I've got to, I've got to shape up or I'll be shipped out. So, yeah. so I did. And it was a great learning curve. And you know, I became the beauty assistant and I was so lucky because the beauty editor at the time really didn't like shoots. So I was just given all the shoots to do. And that's where I really learnt my craft and learnt how to put a shoot together. Yeah. Uh, so that was a, a fantastic experience for me. But it was sort of Custer's last stand. I mean, I was going to be, I was going to, you know, I was going to be shown the door. Wow. Just think how different your life could have been had you... Had you not put that extra work in and, and stayed on? Well, I think, yeah, I think you realize you have to pull yourself together, you know, and, mm. and get a grip. And, and I did. And it was skin of teeth, as I think, you know, a lot of things are, nip and tuck. <laughs> um, but I did, and I was so lucky. But I think these opportunities, 
do happen and it's what you make of them and what you do with them for sure yeah absolutely tell me about your second piece of advice well I think this really this really sort of plays into what's been my passion and what we're doing now at Collagerie because I, th- I think I've come to the realization and did quite a long time ago that you know if you don't think you're so weird and wonderful if you understand and realize that actually that's what makes comics and stand-up comedians so genius is because they're they're voicing things that we all that we all feel or that we all have pain with or we all struggle mm. with or we all delight in a real raison d'etre for me is I love sharing so it's a bit like a, a, a comedian I understand that I love to share because I think other people will love it I just happen to have done the all the hard work for them. So collagerie and starting collagerie for me was like a really big sharing platform. Mm. It's like, this is what we found. We're not so different. I think you will all love it too. You know, part of, um, you know, all the shoots I used to do for Vogue and, you know, some people liked them, some people didn't. But I think, you know, I stayed in it for 25 years. So I think luckily a lot of people did relate to them and a lot of people did understand them or a lot of people were inspired by them. And I hope and so collagery now is like, it's just a big sharing platform where everything that I see and everything that I want to bring to the table for other people to see, that's what we do. Mm. That's what I do now. And I think it's just, yeah, understanding that you're not weird and wonderful. What, what you love and what you're looking at and what you can contribute, I think a thousand million other people might mm. love too. So just never think you're that extraordinary person who's got this really niche eye. And I think that's, I like a lot of stuff, which a lot of other people like the stuff. I Mm. just cut out the hard work, I guess. And what I really like about your advice to think like a comedian as well is, I think with comedians, there's sometimes this kind of magic or alchemy of like what resonates. And in some ways you kind of can't predict it. No, that's true. And it's just like the one thing that cuts at that moment to the exact right thing at the exact right time. And then yes. they've got the entire room behind them laughing, thinking, oh, my God, that's so true. That's so me. I so relate to that. And that's why it's so funny. And I feel like there's some nice parallels there with what you do and this sort of sense of like, yes, OK, it is relatable, but there's also some magic to it, I think, which is really nice. Yes, I think Lottie, that's right. And I think the magic happens because there's a sort of zeitgeist and you've taken the temperature of the room and that can Mm. be very instinctive and it can be you know when you're choosing colors or textures or patterns or trends or anything really I think it can be based you think it's instinctive but actually it's probably based on experience and fashion and and it is cyclical and it's reactionary and I think sort of years of experience can really you know, you've got that sort of hardwired into your DNA. Mm. So, you know, you think it's a sort of gut instinct, but actually it's probably everything that you've seen that's gone on before and everything that you want to look at into the future. And I think that's very true. For all of us who have worked on magazines, that is something that you learn and that you can't shake really (laughs) then just this sort of awareness of the zeitgeist and what's going on and... I personally feel like it's just in you then. It's funny that you should say that because you get asked a lot of things like, we get asked a lot about style. And mm. I think I always sort of grew up thinking, you you know, people were born with style, which I certainly wasn't. You know, all my friends at school and at art college were just like so much more 
imaginative and stylish than I was. But I think style is something that you can learn. I really do. And I, and I think you learn by making mistakes. And my mother was a great believer in, you know, try things out, try things out. And my God, I think about some of the outfits that I sort of made or wore, you know, I mean, I don't cringe because I think everything's a learning curve. But certainly I spent a lot of, you know, I was really preoccupied in my teenage years, which was finding my style. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I thought that was all one color, which was purple from the eyeshadow to the, you know, mm-hmm. and at other times I thought it's a look, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, and I always loved vintage dressing. And then I thought, well, that looks a bit like crazy old lady. So would go into a kind of Chanel phase and do lots of pearls and leggings. But I think if you try things out, you know, and not be afraid of sort of making a bit of an idiot of yourself or failing or not, or actually not looking fashionable. That's, that's fine. You know, just, mm. just find your, find your style. And that will only come through experimentation and, and, and failure actually a lot mm. of the time. And then you feel what's, comfortable so I think you're right to go back to what you were saying it is instinctive but I think the instinct comes from a lot of you know just trial and error yeah and also with this brings us on to your third piece of advice which is to feed and nourish the brain and allow the space to let yourself see and Mm. I feel like that's also where we learn about style and what we like and what we don't like and taste is just from putting ourselves out there and experiencing culture and the world. Absolutely. And so tell me about what this feeding and nourishing the brain means to you. Well, I think it, it, it sort of goes back to the, the the first piece of advice, which is about doing the graft. But I also think there's a sort of adjunct to that, which is it's putting petrol in the tank. If you don't expose your eyes and your brain and your, you know, your mind and your body, actually, to to different experiences, then you're kind of running on empty, you know. I think mm-hmm. nothing is wasted. I mean, sure, you can get a wonderful, you know, I can have an inspiration for a shoot by just looking at a leaf on the pavement and thinking, oh, my God, that's how I want to start. That's how I want to start. You know, you need to feed the soul. And I think, you know, when you go to an exhibition and see things in the real, you read a book that's slightly out of your comfort zone, you learn something and it does nourish. It does nourish you and it does feed the soul. I mean... I'm a great reader and I read a lot of like really odd things like anything and I love recommendations as well and things that I wouldn't normally pick up and I don't sort of go to this I mean we do go to the same tropes because they're comforting and Mm. you know what to expect but I think if you can really dip out of your comfort zone and if you can go and see exhibitions and see films and read books and I think it's a wonderful way of just you know keeping the eyes open and I think you know, I think, look, I'm, I think Instagram and technology is a wonderful thing because it's so quick and it's so fabulous to have that exploration. But I think we also need to down tools and look up a bit mm. too. I think both, you know, both in equal measures are, are fabulous. And may I ask for some recommendations from you that um, are sort of surprising things that you've read or, or seen or enjoyed recently? Oh, well, I'm just reading... An Anne Tyler book, and I haven't read her for a very, very long time, not since I was a teenager. And oh. I've just reconnected with her, and uh, it's called French Braid, and it's and it's beautiful. And um, and I've just got my Tate Modern uh, booklet, so I'm going to have oh. a deep dive into that this weekend and see what exhibitions are out there. Yeah, we are going to jump to a quick ad break, and then we will be right back with Lucinda Chambers. 
And we're back with Lucinda Chambers, who is sharing her life advice with us today. And we're on to her fourth piece of advice, which is be kind, because kindness is something you will never regret. So true. Was it hard to be kind when you were in the apex of the fashion world? No, no, it wasn't. And I think the reason for that, not because I'm sort of such a fabulous person, but I think I was very aware of, and I think always aware of the, you know, a unique position that you hold, which is that people come to you, you know, showing their portfolio or showing their products or showing their brands or showing their work, whether it's, you know, set designer or, you know, anybody. And that's vulnerable making, you know, you're mm-hmm. exposing yourself. And I think always through through my career, you, you know, you're aware, not so much of the power you hold, because that would be crazy, but 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 the position that, that you hold, which is that people are coming to you in the hope and expectation that then what's the point? I mean, whether you're working on a brand product or a shoot or anything, anything creative, it's not about you. It's about the collaborative process. So you really are not only relying on people, but you want to encourage people and make people feel that they don't want to be anywhere else on that day. That's what I think, that's what I think I want people to have the takeaway is there's nowhere else they'd rather be than in that room or in that mm. studio with you, playing around, experimenting. And I think what's really interesting for me now, and you know, we work with so many young kids who are interning and Wherever I go now, you know, people have said, oh, my God, I interned with you 20 years ago. I interned with you 30 years ago because, you know, I'm the age I am. And it's, you know, there's, there's been quite a lot of turnover, which is fabulous. And I know, I know, Lottie, that whatever they say, I know that their experience was a positive one. Mm. So I don't have that awful, creeping, prickly pear feeling yeah. of, crikey, what was, what, was their, what was their experience like? Oh, I know it was going to be so a good important. one. Yeah, you know, and that's so just true. that's just kindness. And you you know, everybody can afford to be kind. Mm-hmm. It's really underrated. So I think, especially you know, and I've had you know knocks in my career, and you know it goes up and it goes down, and it's. But I've ha- been very lucky that I've had a long one, and now with you know Collagerie and Colville, I've you know I've sailed into really exciting waters. But you know people have had, had a good time with you and I and are continuing to. So I, I can't under, I, I don't underestimate that. I think mm. it's, there's no reason not to be kind. And I mm. think it's vital that we are. I think I it's totally vital agree. that we are. And it can be quite shocking when that's one's perspective and you then encounter unkindness from someone else when you feel like, you are so sort of giving and generous and self-aware and then you sort of encounter an experience that leaves you feeling like hang on that was really really unkind it can be quite hard to bounce back from that can't it I think with that I think you really tend to think that they've got an issue and it's not and actually you don't take it personally Mm. you think that's that's a problem that they have with themselves and Mm. And that's coming from from not a very good place, but it says more about what they're going through than how you are, perhaps. Wonderful advice. Thank you. Your fifth piece of life advice is um, to ask questions. Yes. There's always a backstory. 
there is always a backstory. And I think that it goes back because I was thinking my mother was you know, a huge influence on my life. And I think I was quite a shy teenager growing up, as most teenagers are quite not self-confident and quite self-conscious. And I think I was. And, you know, always before a party, I would, you know, say to my mother, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to talk about. And I think my mother was like, pull yourself together. You know, just ask questions. Everybody, everybody's shy. Everybody's self-conscious. So stop being so self-absorbed, I think, <laughs> was her real kind of uh, thing. So, you know, just wh whatever situation you're in, if you ask questions, A, you're always going to find out something interesting, always. Mm -hmm. And actually, it kind of gets you onto the bigger story. You know, if you ask people about themselves, everybody's route is a circuitous route. You know, nobody has a straight path in life. And I think if you ask lots of questions and you have a kind of meaningful conversation with people, however, however little time you've got to spend with them, I always go in deep. I do. I do. Mm -hmm. I go in deep. Do you have like a great question up your sleeve that you just know, like at a dinner party, if it's the sort of conversations dragging a bit, you know, you can just like throw out this wild card question? No, I don't. I, I wish I did, actually. I don't because I sort of am busy hearing what resonant, you know, what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And and usually it's sort of like taking up taking up the baton from them yes. and actually and my husband actually I have noticed that he never ever ever has asked anybody and we've been married for 30 years he's never asked anybody what they do it just doesn't occur to him so I do I do have that in the back of my mind that actually people are much more interesting about something that's very personal to them about what's interesting to them on what a very deep into. and personal yeah. level yeah rather than oh kind of what do you do and you know, that can go on a very sort of normal jag. Mm. But I think uh, I try and go try and go a bit deep and personal, really. Mm. And which I think can really see you through though, those sort of fashion week parties and small talk and sitting on a bench together with people. You know, it would be quite easy to sort of sail through that world very surface. But to actually connect with people and ask questions and build relationships, I think, is what makes it so much more fun. Yes. And I think it's interesting in the fashion world because I think I remember the first time that somebody asked me a question because we're so busy talking about, you know, what's happening in the fashion world, the magazine or, mm. you know, what, what their show was about, what they wanted to... And I remember it was Albert Albert's actually when he was at Longvan. He said, "How many children have you got?" And I and I remember thinking, "Gosh, that's the first time anybody's asked me anything personal." But I mean, it was quite early on in my career, and I, you know, one's always trying to find out from designers what what their objectives are and what they want to do. Um, it was very, you know, we were sort of a conduit. Now I think it's a much more level playing field. And actually, I've certainly found in the interiors world. People are really open and kind of more rackety in a way. And, and I love that tribe. I mean, they're just a great mm. group of people, actually, and from all walks of life and all doing something very different. And it's very sort of non-competitive. And I guess because they're not working towards a fashion show, things aren't quite so heightened and quite so, you know, quite so giddy, I guess. Yeah. And things, you know, the gestation period for product in the interiors is a much longer firing on all cylinders quite a lot of the time because 
I'm very lucky in which we've got lots to think about and lots to do at Collagerie. So, you know, as I'm lying in bed late at night, I do try and read. I do usually have a podcast on the go, but my mind is also racing. So mm. I know that I have, you know, lots of ideas late at night. And if I don't put them down in the morning, I know. I was like, what was that idea? What, and what was I thinking about them? And oh, the what was I going to do with, with, with that brand? Yeah. yeah. And, you can't, and sometimes <laughs> I can't get it back. I actually have to trust and think it will come back if it was a good one. And mm. it does. But you're never sure. So you don't want to be wasting time lying, lying awake at night thinking, I've got to think of that. I've got to remember that. So do keep a pad and paper. I'm, I'm a big believer in the old, you know, parchment and, and paper and pen <laughs> and ink sort of person so I just think you know what write it down then you can let it go it's brilliant yeah definitely although sometimes I've written things down and then in the morning I've been like what does that say well yes that's true that (laughs) is true that is true that is true so you've shared six pieces of really great advice with us and we're now on to your seventh piece of advice which is traditionally a piece of bad advice that's something that somebody said to you that you're really pleased you didn't listen to perhaps and so your piece of bad advice is? I remember very early on when we launched Collagery and we launched it just, just pre-COVID and, you know, nobody knew what the landscape was going to look like. Actually, we were very lucky and it was, it was fine for us. But it was early days and we were doing our initial fundraise and somebody said I would take this money and we knew it wasn't quite the right fit for us and I think we were just starting out Serena and I were just starting out the business and we you know we were pretty sure we had a fabulous idea but you know we knew it would work but we also had to convince a lot of other people that it would work and I think it also played back into a time very early on in my career when I thought I'm doing it was a freelance job and I thought, you know what, it's not quite the right fit for me, but it will serve a purpose. And mm-hmm. I remember somebody saying to me, never, ever do anything for the money. And I really hold that very dear. It's, we can't just all the time tick the creative box, but we've got to really understand our motives behind taking a job on. Mm-hmm. And so it's, a really good piece of advice. It was the worst piece of advice at that time and we didn't and we were so right not to. But it stood me in very good stead because I do put 110% into everything I do. It has to fulfill a very fundamental need in knowing exactly why we're going about doing this. But you never ever just think I can take the money and jog along because Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work out like that. You've got to have a lot of integrity about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I think that really stands you in good stead. And you've got to be very, very honest with yourself about exactly what the purpose is for that. So nothing ever comes as a thing where you're just saying, take the money. It just doesn't work out like that. It comes around, like actually it goes back to being kind to people. Mm. You know, if you're not, and I've seen... I've seen people acting out and not being kind. And somehow it always comes round to bite you in the bottom. And I think that's true about money as well. I think you've got to be, you've got to have integrity. Yeah. What a perfect place to end our chat today. 
Lucinda, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I feel like I would love to sit and have a, a drink and a, a lovely collage dinner party with oh, you at some point. Um, under the tablecloth. I'm, I'm going to let you get out from under the tablecloth <laughs> oh, and have, right, some, have some fresh air. So thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts with us today and all the best. Lashi, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Grazia Life Advice. If you know anyone who you think would enjoy this conversation, then please make sure you tell them about the show. It really helps us reach a wider audience. We'll be back next time. Bye.